This is Andrew and JJ from Caught Offside. You're listening to the Mike Sappho Podcast. This is JJ from Caught Offside and ESPN, and you are listening to the Mike Sappho Podcast. Of course you are. JJ and Andrew, what's going on, boys? What's up, man? This is like the Simpsons and the Family Guy, the crossover uh, podcast, Caught Offside and the Mike Sappho Podcast. We said the same thing once when we had uh, this guy Kevin Flynn used to host a podcast at ESPN, and we had him on at like at the end of the year Let's all be merry and join in together. And uh, we, I think we use the same exact analogy. Yeah, that, it doesn't really feel the same. We also said Family Matters and, and Step Brothers. Or, or, uh, no, not Step Brothers, Step by Step. Yeah, but, but we're, we're also in an in a empty bar, right, with two guys sitting over in the corner where it feels like a scene <laughs> from a mafia film where if we get shifty or, or try to move quickly, these guys are going to get up. I know, I don't like that our back is Those are like groupies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, let me introduce my co-host, Danny Roberts. Hello, how are you guys doing? What's Danny, up, man? What's nice going on, man? So I have to invite Danny on because when I mean soccer fanatic, when I walk into work, he's like, Mike, last night, did you watch the Mongolia under-12 practice squad? Like, obsessive soccer guy. So I told That's him, a good team. And he's, yeah. got, <laughs> and he's got BN Sports, obviously. Yes. <laughs> the, my, my wife would hate BN Sports, that's for sure. Well, I got to tell you guys, first of all, you know the old quote, not all heroes wear capes? You, go, you know you guys prevented a suicide? What? What? After the USA lost, I walk into work. Danny's sitting there, inconsolable. When I mean, I've never seen someone so depressed in my life. He went on, this is over. I don't know what to do. He didn't want to talk to anybody. I said, listen, the ESPN quarter of sides guys, they're going to do my podcast. You can vent to them. He's like, Mike, I need to vent now. I'm like, listen, give me a day. And then, you know, because of the Yankees, we were postponing, postponing, postponing. You prolonged the misery. And now he's back to his old joyous self. So, of course, thank you, thank guys. you very much, guys. Thank you. I mean, I, I, I'd like to think we perform a public service, but I, I, I didn't realize yeah, that, crisis, that, depression, that, that podcast watch. was definitely uh, an intervention, that's for sure. Yeah, and it, for actually, us too. Yeah, doing it was a bit cathartic. Oh. And we, I mean, a lot of people got back to us and said, look, I didn't listen to it straight away, but once I did, it, it kind of helped. It, it was horrible to do. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. I will say, because we've done a lot of those, you know, we, we started, I'd say, a couple years ago doing the podcast immediately after all usa games of yeah. any consequence and they've lost a bunch of them right and we always you know the game would end and we'd be like all right well let's do this that was the first one where we sat there what would you say it was like there was a lot of silence we sat well before we even hit record we're just it was probably about 20 minutes of just staring at the tv in total yep. disbelief of what we had just seen so, i watched it at a bar and it was complete silence i belonged to the american outlaws oh, uh, wow, out in okay. long island and it was total silence I and mean, not a you couldn't hear a thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's lit, and you want to get on with things in the studio. You know, as much fun as doing a podcast is, you want to get to the point. And he was in a stupor for 25 minutes. <laughs> well, I didn't know what to say. I mean, we yeah. started out by saying that this is, this is the podcast that we never thought we would do. And we yes. li- I mean, I truly meant that. Like, how many times, if you listen to this podcast that we do, uh, how many times did we make light of, even after a USA loss or a draw against a, a, what we viewed as a lesser opponent, you know, we'd say, oh, well, don't, it's bad. This, I don't, maybe, It'll this even team, out. maybe this team isn't capable of doing much, but don't worry. Everybody. We must have yep. said it a hundred times. How dumb do we look? And, and I'd say most American soccer fans. I think fans. all the fans do. Well, we let, all thought that we were going to make it. Well, let's go around now. What's next for USA soccer <clears throat> after this? When I mean shocking, dude, the odds of that happening were, what, what did they say, 77 different possibilities? You guys said it, and the one possibility happened that they didn't make it. So what's next for USA yeah. soccer? Well, the thing, the U.S., I think I found out afterward that the U.S., Costa Rica, and Mexico had never, ever lost on the same night in qualifying. Really? Until that that, night. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. But I that's mean, just our luck. 
Well, exactly. But I'll tell you what, though, because you say what has to happen next. And trust me, there's obviously there's a failure on so many levels for something like that to happen. But luck is part of it. Like I, There is a part of me that has this fear that they're just going to go insane now and just, you know, we'll start ruling out guys who may not actually be bad players and right. they're just going to change everything. But like what just like, for example, we always talk about how Mexico in the last qualifying cycle finished with two wins. Right. And still got through because Thanks the U.S. did him a massive favor. Yep. And, you know, obviously they changed their head coaches, you know, every day of the week it feels like. But I don't <laughs> know how much changed aside from that. They got lucky. They got in. And they went just as far in the World Cup as the U.S. did. And now, look, they're kings of the region now. Yep. So, you know, I, I can't tell if the U.S. are in that kind of place or if it is going to take some kind of massive overhaul or a combination of both. Well, the panic button's been pushed because you got a guy like Kyle Martino who – played his full career in MLS, never went abroad, so never made big money. And now, I would imagine, is actually making big money out of the game. Working through television. F- working through television yep. for NBC. And today he announces he's running for U.S. soccer president. president. So, so that just shows you that there's, there's a sea change in, in, I don't know, I wouldn't say thought yet because I haven't heard a, a good thought that tells me how we can move this thing forward or get out of the rut we're in. But it definitely you know, the panic button's being pressed. Silver lining in the loss, is that even possible at this point? No. Uh, There's no silver lining. Well, you know no. what? I guess there could be if it does, because, you know, there are flaws within the U.S. soccer system. So the, the only silver lining could be that now all of those flaws get pushed to the forefront. And now they have – we have no choice. They have to get addressed now. If the U.S. had snuck through – you know, then you could continue to say, okay, this team struggled, and I don't know what I think of this, this team and the and U.S. Soccer Federation. But you could kind of bury those down because ultimately we got to a World Cup, and that's what matters. But now you have to, like, the, I haven't heard the term pay for play brought up this mm-hmm. mu- in the last month as right. I, that I did the, in my entire life leading up. Yep. So things like that that need to be addressed and, promotion and should and have relegation, been Promotion relegation, all those things. Well, yeah, yeah I, w- I was going to mention promotion relegation because there's a, a system in MLS – that really doesn't affect the owners whether they lose, if they lose. Uh, when you go over to the EPL, if you lose, listen, you're getting bumped down, mm-hmm. and you can continually get bumped down up until, just look at Leicester City, they went from all the way from the bottom all the way to the tip of the iceberg to win the championship two years ago. In MLS, you're going to lose, but you're still going to stay in MLS and still make the same revenue, and then your players don't suffer a consequence for... Not performing. You you buy a team, you put your money in. It's like a McDonald's franchise, and and you're in, and that's it. And unless yep. you somehow break the rules or, or or do something like that, you continue to make the revenue. But your team, you know, you're never going to go to the Kraft family and say, "Hey guys, you know what? Uh, you were particularly shit this year, and you finished at the bottom. How about you go to a lower division, <laughs> which we don't know which one it is anymore because of what just happened with right, the ASL, where the TV revenues are not the same, and you're out until you can work your way back up, but Soccer is a meritocracy, and, yep. uh, and that's the way it should be. So, so that debate started as well, and like Andrew said, pay for play, and just you know, our, a whole kind of look at where we are. We're, we're it, was, it was embarrassing. Like, no, it was. It was. There was no doubt about it. Like fans, like, I'm, I'm not going to be – I love America. I'm just not a big soccer, USA soccer fan. But it was embarrassing when they lost. Like, it was an embarrassing thing, even reading every tweet, every Facebook status. Like, right. And, you know, I think you guys might have mentioned stuff on your show – People were writing to you like, hey, I'm 17. Next time the World Cup comes, I'm 21 oh, yeah. years old. I can drink. Like, there's so much changes that's going to happen. And it's four years of, and Danny says it when I see him at work, it's four years of, like, not, now you have three years of 
nothing of well, that, yeah. competition. After like it's, I went home and and my wife, she's just kind of mildly into it, only through me. Mm-hmm. And like I was trying to explain to her like the the depth of the disappointment. Like I'm from Philadelphia and I'm a huge Eagles fan. And you know when they lose, inevitably, often right, right. <laughs> yeah, inevitably you'll always have somebody that says, "Well, there's always ne-. like you just hear that line. There's right. always next year. You hear it so much." But that was the the problem with this is like you can't that line doesn't apply. Like now you got to wait five years, you know, through another qualifying cycle and, and through the, and through 2022. I mean, it's you it's a level a, of disappointment that that a regular American sports fan I think has a hard time understanding. They, with. they don't get it. So right in the middle of the um, the pain of that and the shock of that loss, Andrew threw out a number and it was like 600 and something days until there's like a competitive game. Yes. Well, no, we have uh, Portugal coming up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. So, so, but you know what? You mentioned uh, like three years, and I'll tell you something. So I actually just got into soccer four years ago. The Argentina-Germany World Cup 2014 is when I really got into it. It's now my third favorite sport. It's baseball and basketball and uh-huh. soccer. I love it. I think it's, it's engrossing. It's intimate. I love it. And the Yankees lost a few nights ago. I'm like, I tell my girlfriend, it's cool. We got Judge. We got Sanchez. We're set for the future. So next year, I'm a Kentucky fan. Hey, we lost. We got seven new recruits come in. USA lose. All right, we got four yeah. years. It, it, we don't even know what the team is yeah, going to look like. It's mind-boggling what's going to happen now in four years. Is it, can it be possible that it's so deflating that maybe USA soccer is not that good? Is that actually possible? Is that, or is it just a lot of bad luck? Uh, well, it is possible. I think all of those things are possible. Like it was a lot of bad luck, and it is possible that this current you know iteration of U.S. soccer wasn't necessarily that good. But I think some of it, you know, like. I, I don't know, like Josie Altador is somebody who on our podcast and on you know, soccer fan forums all over the country, he's one of the most polarizing people that we've ever seen. Like, is he good? Is he bad? Like, I feel like there's a, a bunch of those guys. Jeff Cameron, like we talk all the time, you know, okay, well, he plays in the Premier League, so he must be good. But then we see him do things in qualifying, we think, well, is Make he that no good? Sense. So I, that it's a team full of guys where I don't know – if they're good or, or if they're not. And I watch this sport all the time, and you still don't know. But the point is you get to prove it at a World Cup. Our arrogant U.S. view, and, and by the way, we were told we were arrogant because mm-hmm. we've got listeners, which is great from all over the world, but a lot of them have no interest in the U.S., and they love to see them chipped away for many, many different reasons. And they were telling us we were arrogant to believe that we were way better than the CONCACAF teams. And the usual modus operandi was you qualified, and then you played in a World Cup and then you could say well you know what Matt Beasler he plays in MLS but he's a pretty good center back on the world stage now we can't do that we're in this crisis where even though we haven't qualified you know we're between aberration and maybe these guys aren't good enough and I don't know where the line is and I, I, I look here's one thing I will say at the weekend um, we saw an American in probably one of probably the biggest game in Europe at the weekend again uh, Borussia Dortmund versus Bayern Munich yep. and we saw American tear a German, a top-class German defender, a new arsehole. Yep. Now, that is brilliant for me. Look, there is hope mm-hmm. when you see that. Christian Pulisic was the only bright spark in Dortmund's performance at the weekend. Right? He's um, a, a, a transcendent talent. So is Weston McKinney. If, we if he stays we, healthy, he could be the best player ever for the U.S. soccer. Oh, without a doubt. And, yes. and, and that, that's not too early to say that. You can already tell. Please God and his blessed mother. Now, <laughs> you've got Weston McKinney as well who's playing at, at Schalke. We've got a couple other prospects coming up. It's not, it's not all doom and gloom, but it's a lot of just guessing. Right, it, it, you're you guessing. have to sit through you four years of, are we going to, are we not? They've, always, they've, always, they've never dominated the CONCACAF region ever. 
But when they get to the World, the World Cup, for some reason, they're able to, except for that for the one time, but they get out of the group stage. So at least it, it justifies their existence and they're able to encourage fans. And you see all over YouTube all the, the, uh, the goal reactions. It gets the people involved. But now when you don't qualify for, for these four, this, this World Cup, you're going to lose five years of fans who have nothing to watch. So I suppose my point is I know what Christian Pulisic is mm-hmm. and I know what Weston, Weston McKinney can be. The other guys, I don't know because we won't get to see them play at the top flight for, well, we don't know how long. And, right. and most of the old guard too. Like, you know, we've right. been so used to Clint Dempsey like hearing, and Tim Howard and these names that are just mainstays for, for a generation. Cru- they're crutches for names. And that, like, five years from now, you're not going to see Tim Howard at the next World Cup. I don't think, I mean, Clint Dempsey has defied people before with their expectations for him. a but long time in those yeah, legs. There were some people who didn't think he would be on this upcoming World Cup roster. So I think there's there's a lot of uncertainty because there's going to be some... Like, we know who Weston McKinney is, but your average soccer fan, I don't Doesn't. think, knows... People know who Christian Pulisic is now, but there's a whole host of new players coming through the system that American soccer fans aren't familiar with, and so there's a lot of uncertainty as to what this team is going to be. And there's also been a lot of hope now foisted upon a U17 group that performed admirably at the U17 World Cup in India but that's a lot of pressure for them too and I, I, I'll tell you I keep saying it if we get two guys out of that two guys that mm-hmm. go right to the very top and play in Europe we'll be lucky Which the only ones that might be are Tim Way uh-huh. and Sargent when Sargent well, has already signed with, with the, uh, the team I, in Germany I, I actually think the pick of the bunch right now is, is uh, Andrew Carrollton he's the best player out of all of he's them that one. I've seen but uh, he's at Atlanta United I believe right now and right. you don't know what way that's going to go either um, maybe he needs a uh, move to Europe. So, you know, you guys mentioned the arrogance, and a lot of it is US TV because it would. I remember the thing: it would be Argentina and USA both might not qualify. How are you going to put those two together? Because they're both struggling to qualify. So then, people on ESPN, you read the comments. It's like, are you comparing Messi to USA? And that was a big issue because when they lost, people were like Argentina made it, and my boy John's over there, one of the stalkers, and he's the biggest Argentinian guy. We went down to Argentina to watch qualifying matches. And I remember the headline on ESPNFC.com, USA and Argentina. My, and they kind of put them together, and that's... That. Well, you're right. It's weird for them to be put together because obviously the talent gap is, is a massive <laughs> right. canyon well, between that's them. A, that's it's a, a big market last summer. But it, is, but it is all relative. Well, I mean, like, I'm not, look, I'm not even... I can't even say at this point that the U.S. are Argentina of CONCACAF because even that sounds foolish to say. But here's what I will say about the whole arrogance issue. Um, yes, there was a lot of it. But you're going to roll your eyes. I can already feel you rolling your eyes at me for saying this. But I do think that some of it was justifiable arrogance. Because when you go to seven straight World Cups, there's an entire generation of people. The last time the U.S. missed a World Cup, I was two. Mm -hmm. All right, so there's a whole generation of soccer fans in this country that literally only know going to World Cups. And not just going to them, but like you said, getting out of groups. Competing. Going up against Germany in, in... the quarterfinal and, and and competing and really looking good and, and you know facing facing Ronaldo in the last World Cup and probably should have won that game too. Yeah. Uh, so you know there was a lot of arrogance and I think a lot of people are doing a lot of soul searching after this. But I still maintain that if you were an American fan that was arrogant throughout this process, like myself, mm-hmm. uh, I understand why you felt that way. Now back to I want to talk about your show because. How did you guys get together? Because the Quarter Offside podcast, you guys have great chemistry going with each other. Did you yeah. guys, oh, hey, we're buddies. Let's do a podcast. Or Swiped they... right on Tinder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there it was. 
<laughs> what like can I a, say? Like all true romance. <laughs> yeah, obviously. I just saw him and thought, that's the guy for me. That's and it. We're going to link up and do a kick-ass podcast. Why not? That's the way I look for... I mean, everything is through Tinder now, you know. So. That's how you ordered the beer tonight. Exactly. You just kept swiping. Exactly. Guy, is there anyone near me? And Heineken Light matches with you right away. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, no, it was leading up to the 2014 World Cup, and my boss at ESPN said that uh, they wanted to start a podcast, and he knew that I was a massive soccer fan. And through a friend of a friend kind of thing, he knew you. And so he took us to lunch one day at uh, the Smith up near Lincoln Center area. And uh, that was it, man. Just was, like a Woody uh, Allen film. Yeah. That was probably... <laughs> that was great probably point. Not, not, not quite like a Woody Allen film. That was probably... Oh, that ruined my fantasy. Yeah, yeah. March of 2014. And uh, he said, we're gonna, we'll start this up a month leading up. And bang, that was it. And you guys watch games together and shit too and everything? Yeah. Uh, yeah, some, I mean, obviously we watch all the USA games together. We do, you know, during the European Championships, we watch a lot of those. I mean, some of the some of it is tough only because, you know... Somebody like, decided to have a child. <laughs> oh, you selfish. <laughs> really? So selfish. Yeah, just wait till they get older. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, we hang out all the time and watch games when we can. And, uh, and yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, I've been keeping it, you know, keeping it... 100. <laughs> Keeping it without child just so we could have a successful For podcast. the show. Yeah. See, you're well, dedicating everything. Well, I'm afraid to hang out because the one time uh, he had a holiday party at his apartment last year and uh, he, he emailed me and said, okay, we're going to have a holiday party. It starts at 8 o'clock. Uh, so, you know, bring beer if you want or whatever. Should be fun. And so I said, okay. And it was a Friday. So I, I get out of work at 7. He lives in Brooklyn. I was like, I don't know what traffic's going to be. I'll just, I'm just going to go straight from work. Ugh. And so it happens to be where there's no traffic. And so at 7.59, I'm there. So what am I going to do? Uh, so I knock on the door. that guy? So I knock on the door. Captain Literal Man, you know, off straight on here. time. But like, you, you couldn't feel less welcomed at a party. I open the door, and right away, I roll, oh, God. And, and I hear his girlfriend, is that Andrew? Oh, of course he's here. Why is he I so said, early? What the fuck? He so what, sat by the window, like, he, with, with a beer. I, oh. But what should I have done? Should I just, so I sit in my car for half Read an hour. Read a book for half an hour. But oh, everybody well, has that friend that. that shows up either on time or just early, just a but few it, minutes it was early. Not it's a common sense thing. It's like, oh, you know what? I'm really early. I don't want to walk into an empty room. What I'll do is I'll go to a bar. I'll watch TV for an hour. So I'm going to go to a bar and pay for alcohol <laughs> that I'm about to have for free at your party. He's oh, got a point for that. A fool would do something like that. But you anyway, we, I mean, you're going to break them up here. You weren't that much of a hindrance. It's just, you know. <laughs> Thank you. It was, <laughs> it was just not a backhanded compliment. It's just if I could have put money on it. <laughs> I should have put money on it. <laughs> there he is with this all oh, shucks fit. I'm early, am I'm like, oh. no, I was right on time. Well, I don't have any true. regrets. I would do it again. I told him he had to go sit in the stairs <laughs> and drink his <laughs> You put him in time out. Yeah. But fortunately, he brought uh, Mike Brownshire with him. So I'm yeah, like, a mutual friend. Yeah, okay. Mike is reliable and Mike kind of diffused the situation. Was Mike embarrassed that he got this so early also? Oh, Mike was, Mike was in his ear all the way over telling him you're too early. Dude, calm down. Go to a store or something. Come on. There's not much in that area. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's nothing on Fifth Avenue in Park Slope. Nothing, nothing. All right, I want to talk some Premier League. All right. Do you guys have the chart? I actually screenshotted it because, like I said, I just actually became a soccer fan four years ago. And I'm fully engrossed in it. I actually don't have a Premier League team. Do you guys have the chart oh, with you? Oh, the help of oh, fans. Yes. Do not. I, I actually just... have it with me. So we'll talk about it in a second. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. I actually want you to do it for me. I mean, it's breaking the rules, Mike. You're outside of the window. But we'll make <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, what chart are you talking about? I'll show you. It. It's really cool. Okay. Let me, I have a question for you guys, too. As like an amateur fan, Premier League is England shuts down on Saturdays to watch the games. 
Does the World Cup mean as much to them as a Premier League championship? It might sound like an ignorant question because... No, it, it's not ignorant. Um, that's probably a more nuanced answer than I would have expected to give you. In, in England, there is a, an obsession uh, amongst the English soccer fan with 1966 and winning the World Cup and the fact that they haven't come really close to doing it. Um, so I would say up until 2014... Every year was, oh, this is going to be, oh, yeah, you know, we got Beckham, we got Scouse, talk of golden generations, all that stuff. Um, but I would say with the arrival of Roy Hodgson, who is um, probably a guy who could lower the expectations of most people, um, <laughs> that, that, they've tempered that a lot. Now, uh, the Premier League is like a behemoth. It's, the, it, it's huge, and it does dominate the English football landscape. But the, the, uh, the reverence they show their football team it's huge. So when England plays in a World Cup game, the country still stops. There's just not that same... Passion? Is that, is that a good word? Pa- it's not passion. They're still passionate. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I would never accuse them of that. I would say there is a weariness now that set in that I never thought... Like, every tournament would go around, and because I'm Irish, we would hate watch. Sure. You know, we... we <laughs> it was a carnival. They used to write the most amazing stuff in the papers leading up to tournaments. The last time I saw that real expectation was World Cup 2006 in Germany. This was Lampard at his peak, Rooney at his peak, Beckham at his peak, Terry, Ferdinand, all those guys. And they really thought that this was going to be... Their year. Not a cakewalk, but their group was easy. They were going to go all the way. And, And that was shattered. And I don't think they've regained that kind of... Confidence. Swagger. Yeah. They don't have the same swagger, but do they love it? They absolutely do. It's not a stupid question at all. Uh, I would say the Premier League's got so big, it, it dominates the football landscape. But when, when England play in a mean... By the way, qualifying has become such a, a cakewalk for them. They don't, uh-huh. that, that doesn't matter. It, it, you can have a half-full Wembley, yeah. but when the World Cup kicks off, man, they, it, they still care about it. Because that actually what made me think about it, because when Premier League plays and I go on Twitter and I look, it's nonstop every second. The qualifying was like, eh, but it wasn't every every second. It wasn't refresh, refresh. It was more like. But but because of the the seeding system. Okay. I mean, well, I think it's hard for some English fan. Like you say, if you're an English fan and you're a Manchester United supporter, uh, you know it's easy to get excited about uh, United with against almost any other Premier League club. But some of the the qualifiers, it's just hard to get excited. Lithuania about. at home. Seven nothing. Moldova. Yeah, so, yeah. well, Moldova has a good squad. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their U14 team is good. <laughs> Yeah, I convinced an English friend of mine a few years ago that Narnia were in the qualifier. <laughs> no, I'm not, no, I'm serious. I, I can tell you the name of the guy. I won't. Oh, All right, well, he's a great kid. I, I convinced him that Narnia were in England's World Cup qualifying group for, na- for, for 1986. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even... Uh, will I say his name? Is that, is that wrong? Liam Fussell. Liam oh, Fussell. wow, you went last name too. Wow, you yeah. went full government yeah. on he's the guy. He's such nice. a good guy. And he, he was a proper player too. Really good guy. But he was, um, you know... The groups had he couldn't tell you about England qualifying <laughs> campaigns or anything like that because they were they were relatively easy, right? Uh, apart for one for Euro two thousand and eight. So um, yeah, you, it, it doesn't mean anything. Qualifying is boring. One thing I've always wondered about with England, like specifically with them for qualifying, and uh, I'm not English and I have no vested interest in how they do. So I, I could be talking totally out of school here, but I once had somebody tell me that uh, England is something more that you'll see fans of lower-tier teams get behind yep. uh, because it's kind of their chance to, for Harry Kane to be theirs. Mm-hmm. You know, for the team that you just said with Lampard. That, that, this is, it, it makes sense, though, it does. You but know, to travel support, away and be English. Right, mm-hmm. if, you, if you support Stevenage, like, yeah. you're never going to sniff 
what's going on for the most part in in the but Premier in League. four so years you have this is your chance yeah, to be a that's, part that's, of, that's of these guys really really good comparison the hardcore um and i'm not calling all english fans or all stevenage fans hooligans but the hardcore hooligan is mm. not from these days he's not from everton he's not from manchester united because they get to travel anyway the hardcore mm. england hooligan lower is from tier the clubs. lower tier clubs because yep. they don't get to there's a, as you can probably imagine with Brexit and all the things that are going on yeah. there's a crisis of what does it mean to be English and and still the one thing you can hang your hat on is your national football team that's who you are and, and, and that's why they travel so because well, we're going to do the chart in a second but here's what happened so four years ago my buddy John who's here he's diehard soccer he like lives and dies and I was never one of those elitist guys like sports in my life but I was never like okay I'm like oh, you know what I'll watch it the World Cup comes on I'm Italian and German so I'm like alright and I actually was going to a beer garden in the East Village, a German beer garden. I'm like, oh, I'll root for Germany. I'm German. I fall in love with this team. I, I love them. The World Cup's over. We win it. Not we. I'm going to jump myself. That's okay. like, yeah. We win it. And now I was fully invested. I, I took it like a Yankee World Series win. I'm like, this is amazing. But now it's over. So now I need a team. So obviously, I look at the players, Google, oh, Bayern Munich has most of these guys. So now I'm a huge supporter. I, but I do need an Premier League team. So are we ready to do the little chart? All right. Uh, Andrew, do you want to? Or will sure. I? So on our on cutoff side, on our podcast, um, you know, we acknowledge that the Premier League is, is at least for English-speaking fans, it's probably the preeminent league in the world. Uh, but you, it, unless you're English, you have no geographical roots to root for a certain club. So we're all just, we're all just kind of picking. Um, and so we thought as good a way as any is to come up with this totally <laughs> arbitrary list of questions that really have nothing whatsoever to do with soccer or sports. And based on people's answers to those questions, we get a sense of your personality. And based on your personality, we get a sense of what team would best suit you. Uh, I've never you. seen and this list. It's yeah. pretty interesting. In, in I've never ca- seen it. In some cases, we could derive a sense of fear. There's a couple of questions there where the answers were not what yeah. we would have well, expected. Now I will, let me jump in. I yeah. actually... I Googled it because I remember I heard on your show that you're going to do it. And I actually Googled it and I just screenshot it. So I didn't read the qu- – I actually really didn't read the questions oh, yet. Okay. Oh, fantastic. Like, yeah, I really have Now, I'll so. say this. Looking at this one that you found here, this is actually – we updated it uh, to this year. This is last year's questionnaire. So I apologize if we give you a club that's already been relegated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I promise you this. Like I said, when I mean diehard, you can ask my girlfriend. I've, I'm a two-year-old and my team loses. I, my ex-wife left me over losses – um, I was single for years, totally because of sports. So whoever you guys choose, I'm telling you, a jersey being bored tonight, and this is this, this is, is more this is more oh, like that man. Rorschach test that they make you yeah. take with psychologists. So <laughs> I, I don't know if she wants to step out of the room right now. <laughs> All right, all right, ready to roll. All right, so the questions that were on this list were the first one was, uh, what's your current favorite team in sports? Yankees. All right. Uh, follow up to that would be, what's your favorite part of rooting for that team? Winning. All right, that's important. And the second follow-up would be, uh, what's your least favorite part of rooting for that team? Probably not meeting expectations every year. It's always okay. stressful every single year that we have to always be the best. Interesting, interesting. Okay. All right, this is all being stored away. What's uh, your favorite food or meal? Steak. Okay. Where are you from? New York. Uh, better TV show, The Sopranos or Seinfeld? Oh, Seinfeld. Come on. Interesting. Come on. Uh, which movie character do you like more, Darth Vader or Jason Bourne? I actually never saw either movie. I don't know who. I know if you if you have to pick one. I, I think mean, Jason Bourne's pretty badass. I think. Is, yeah. Okay. Okay. Then I'll go Jason Bourne. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's see. An ideal night out for you would involve doing what? Uh, dive bar and just some food at the end of the night. Interesting. Uh, Drake or Foo Fighters? Foo Fighters. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, can you take pleasure from a sports season that does not end in a championship? I'm sorry. Was that funny over there? Uh, <laughs> no, no. I don't, you cannot. I, I cannot. It, 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 it actually hurts me so much. Okay. That knocks out like 15 of I know, which the EPL teams. I didn't want one of the top teams. Well, that's, that's, there's, some of these questions are more key, yeah, I would say, than others. Because I didn't want well, a top right. team, though. But okay. uh, well, you're not, you're not doing so good. I now. know, I know. <laughs> uh, t-shirt and jeans or Armani suit? Oh, t-shirt and jeans. All right. Uh, which Game of Thrones character do you most associate with? If you haven't seen Game of Thrones, then we'll go to The Wire. And if you haven't seen either... Uh, it's written here to just be better than that. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be better. I've never seen either show. Michael K. Omar from The Wire was on the show, and I had to admit to him, Omar, I've never seen your show, so I've never, I've never seen either of them. Fair enough. We'll X that one out. Uh, if you played soccer, what position would you want to be? Forward. All right. And your favorite <clears throat> subject in school? History. Ooh, oh, so well, well, that's a clincher for me. Okay. <clears throat> well, let's hash this out. Okay. What struck you about uh, Mike's uh, Rochard slash caught offside test? Uh, the the stuff he said right out of the gate about the Yankees, right? Um, and the the stressfulness of having to meet expectations, but then him saying later on in that uh, that he can't take pleasure in a season that doesn't end in a title. Yeah, that's interesting. So I don't know that I want to give him a team that is going to ruin his life. Okay, uh, I, I, I saw a lot like like, for, like for, Tottenham. <laughs> For a, little, <laughs> for a little bit, I was going to think, you know, the uh, he likes steak. You know, he likes... History his, was also important. History as well. So so steak, I would say, maybe like upper class. It's not always upper class meal. Do you already have in your head who it'll be? But I thought it'd be the King's Road, right? Chelsea. But oh, then the no. history thing. History is important. So I, I know, Winning's important. I know what and I would constant, say. Every season going by that, that you don't win being a problem. I, I've, I've got one in my head anyway. You want to say it at the count of three? See if we're on the same page. Okay. One, One two, two, three. three. Manchester United. Same oh, ballpark man. right now. Sort of, yeah. Sort of same ballpark. I, I need you guys to pick one. <laughs> I know, I do. I'm serious. And also, the dive bar stuff. You know, it. He's he's okay. He likes winning, but he's not Chelsea, who you would see as upper class. All they're, all they're way too. They're uppity as hell. Yeah. I was in Japan. Went to a. Uh, we went to watch uh, a Chelsea match, and the ball. They're way too uppity. I'm glad you guys didn't pick Chelsea. Yeah. So no. No. It's, no. It's, it's between the northwestern teams. I mean. Let's see. The there's a there's a way we could swing it to Manchester City for him, but that would be that would be in in a title a potential you know, title the, the, winning year. That I actually be right. don't want Man City because they're they're winning by too much right now. You get what you're giving, son. The, <laughs> <laughs> I, I could see the t-shirt and jeans maybe being a little bit more Liverpool than United. So oh, really? Do you? Is that how's that an insult? Yeah, yeah. You would have said Armani suit. Yeah, to you're that trying one? to say we're blue collar working class. That's all right. <laughs> Would you not, would you prefer to not be? No, I thought you'd go take pride in that. Man, listen, I am I am hardcore. Look at these hands. These hands have worked. Those hands, calluses. <laughs> those are man's hands right there. Hands uh, like my sister. If, um, if you wanted to go Liverpool, I would be comfortable. With, I, with I honestly think it's it's screaming Liverpool. All right. I I couldn't. Um, also, you know what? What's your favorite? What's your? You said Foo Fighters, but generally, what would your favorite music be? Oh, this, this is gonna make you guys get mad at me. I don't listen to music. Um, right. Foo Fighters, Billy Joel. Okay, right. You're well, getting. We're going to give him Bournemouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think we can. Uh, but you're not. You're not. Look, Liverpool hasn't won a title in in a long time since '89. So you're I, not swayed by that at all. Oh no, that sways it completely for me because it's like in, to United's favor. The Liver, Liverpool. No, no, no. Hang on. Listen to me. No. Liverpool were the. This is actually really interesting. I'm really <laughs> Liverpool were the New York Yankees of the '70s and '80s in, in English football. They, uh, the, the amount of winning was incredible. Okay. And then United came in and knocked them off their perch. So if he's a Yankee fan, 
he's all money. Liverpool are a little bit all money. Manchester City and Manchester United under Fergie, you could even, despite the Busby era, you could even say they're a little bit more new Look, I'm money. not going to argue with you. Look, history, history <laughs> channel, history channel. That's what people call Liverpool. Big history Liverpool guy. TV. Big history guy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Liverpool never stop banging on about their history. Do <laughs> all right. You know, I'm a Liverpool fan. It has been decreed. <laughs> well, you know what? Cheers to that. Cheers Thank you. I'm now a Liverpool guy. Poor Julia, my girlfriend's going to have to watch me every morning now with Liverpool. And that's what happens. Okay. Well, one thing that will help you with them uh, as the team you chose, they're on national TV a lot. But you, and you've got you to learn the Never Walk Alone song. It's, it's not hard. I might get a Liverpool tattoo by the end of the night. So don't worry. <laughs> nice, nice tattoos as well. The Liverbird, historical. You know, it's good. All that history. Okay, so now I'm going to go to sleep and Danny's going to talk some MLS. No, I just want to... F- <laughs> no, 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 no I, I actually do want a few things about MLS because I actually want to talk about the playoffs. It is Danny that knows. time of year, so, you know. Yeah, but, and my one question about that before Danny takes over, I'm, I don't want to say an elitist because I'm a new fan, it's okay. but I kind of do look down on MLS because when I watch Premier League and I watch Champions League and La Liga and then you watch MLS, I think it's lesser quality and I just don't enjoy it. What can MLS do to maybe branch out more to the elitist fans because like you said people listen all over the world they don't give a crap about mls well and they're not ever going going to to. no i I don't think i would tell mls to first and foremost not worry about that fan and you know worry about your you know the, the markets that you've established in the united states i mean right now they've done a good job of filling up stadiums um I think that was step one for them. Get out of these cavernous football stadiums that look awful on television. Get into some smaller, more intimate grounds. Make people feel like if they're not there, you know, if it looks good on TV, you feel like you're you're missing something if you're not a part of it. They did a good job of that. Um, And then I think the next step for them is to work on building TV ratings. And I don't know. Honestly, I do not know how they do that. We had a discussion about this, and I've had several discussions with my friends who, you know, just like you guys, your weekend is kind of built round, you know. It's a timetable that pretty much runs upon sports. Mm-hmm. Let's be perfectly honest yeah, about 100%. it. One hundred percent. That's how we want to spend. One hundred percent. That's how we want to spend our time. Loved ones be damned. Mm-hmm. So, so if you think about maybe just take a Sunday, um, and MLS does its major games from four p.m. onwards on a Sunday. You've got a in the morning. You'll start off maybe with a Premier League game at eight eight thirty, and then you'll have an, an one more. So that's two. And then you're straight into one o'clock and, and you know, I mean, it's, it doesn't still have the same allure. It feels a little bit tarnished, but we all love the NFL. So if you have a one o'clock game or maybe even a four o'clock game, are you telling me after all of that, you're going to watch the late MLS no. game? Or you, it, it's um, it's and, th- and that's why the NFL ratings are down a lot because it's oversaturation. You got to yeah. definitely is. You got sometimes a London game, then you have a one o'clock game of four. I can't be like, hey. Well, you haven't even mentioned the Thursday night yeah, and, games. And, and, and the Monday yeah. night. So now. So but MLS is MLS is uh, is fighting to get in amongst that, and it's also suffering from NFL fatigue. Sorry, that right. fatigue spreads to all sports. Of that is just a fact, you know. But that is the weird quirk in the in <clears throat> TV scheduling. Like everybody's so desperate to get primetime slots, but that is what helps the Premier League in this country. Is that it's not in prim- it's not up against anything. I love it. It's on at eight in the morning yeah. and ten in the morning, so it has no competition. Whereas you know MLS, while it, it, it's it's hard to get a foothold when you're going up against, you know, the World Series one night and Sunday night football the next night. It's difficult. And these and this is the time of year when you're trying to get the casual fan to become a fan of your sport. It's the postseason. This is what they've been building towards. So uh, it's it's hard for them with the way the schedule and damn time zones just don't align in their favor. That is a problem. And um, before, I suppose, the, the Premier League really took over here, um, 
the issue was that MLS was in its fledging period, so it never got a chance to get a jump on the Premier League. So this is where we are well, right now. I'll go back to when I was a kid. I remember as a kid, I played soccer my Probably Liverpool life. back in the 40s. Yeah, right. Back then. <laughs> <laughs> so as a kid growing up, I was a big soccer player. I loved it. I was Colombian background. My parents loved it. But there was never an ounce of soccer to watch ever on TV. Ever. So... Growing up now, I have two kids who love soccer, and they play every single weekend, but they watch soccer all the time. I, as a kid, couldn't do it. I've, I've seen the sport grow since 94. When, when we hosted the World Cup, I've seen it grow. We have soccer on TV. You could turn a TV on any night of the week and basically find a soccer game, mm-hmm. a live one for that matter. If not, if it's UEFA, if it's a, a, Spanish, a Spanish game, an Bundesliga. MLS game, a British game, Bundesliga. Uh, La Liga, any, any game, any night of the week, you could probably find a game in live. That is the growth that we've had so far. But going back to the stadium issue, the, I used to go to games at, at, uh, when the, the Red Bulls were the Metro Stars, mm-hmm. playing at Giant Stadium. Awful to watch a soccer game at, at Giant Stadium. If for, for MLS. I went to Giant Stadium for the World Cup. I watched three games there. But you go back to watch for Metro Star game, which started after the World Cup. You're sitting in an 80,000-seat stadium, and there may be... 15 to 20,000 people there. It looks like there's no one there. Right. Atlanta, great. They have 50 to 70,000 people right now, right now because they're a brand new stadium. What happens in two or three years when the team is back to the, I guess, back to the, the middle of the pack and the, uh, the, the newness, uh, has, worn the newness has worn off? Yeah. What do you do with a 70,000-seat arena and you have 15,000 people? It looks awful on TV. It doesn't attract people to come to the stadium. Where do you go from that? Well, the one thing you never know, I mean, people, what you're saying about Atlanta, there's a good chance people said that about Seattle after they first started. And they've managed, That's true. They've managed to sustain it. But they've uh, had, I mean, I'm not too much of a Seattle historian, but they, from what I can tell on the TV and what they talk about, that history has always been there with their soccer clubs. Yes, and I do think it helped them too. Like, the Supersonics left at the perfect time if you were the Sounders. Because you had a, vo- a huge void opened up in the in the sports window for people in that city, and, and the Sounders were right there, and they're the fanatics right out there it. too. Oh, right. I, I want to go watch a game there. I think it's, it's worth it, it is worth noting that both Portland and Seattle had teams in the original NASL, and yes. they've been waiting forever to get back. Yeah. And it influenced many of the owners who remember them the first time round, like uh, uh, Drew Carey and people like that. They were like, "We want soccer back here because they remembered when they had it." Um, your point about Atlanta is well made. I think if they keep those players and they keep winning, they won't have any problems filling right. that building because well, I think that area is that area is unbelievably uh, vibrant and growing and growing, and it's going to continue. And I still think they'll be okay. But if they lose one or two players, maybe drop towards the bottom, it's it's a problem definitely. I hope so. I mean, the, the one bad thing about the team is I can't stand watching soccer on turf. I, I can't I can't oh, stand it. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's it's my bu- that's my bugbear as well. Yeah, and, uh, I can't. I think, uh, you know, it's expensive, obviously. Like, I hear Merritt Paulson, the owner of uh, Portland, and he's always chirping away. Houston played on a historically bad grass field the other night. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> but I, I did a little bit of tweeting and, a, you know, just a, a little poll, and I just said, you know, given the choice, would you rather play on a, a turf field like we'll say New England play on, the Revolution, at... Um, at uh, Gillette Stadium. At Gillette Stadium, right? The Kraft um, vehicle. Or would you rather? <laughs> would you rather play on as bad as it is that Houston field? I'm telling you, as someone who's played on both, I'll still go on a dodgy grass surface most times. Well, on the, in your most recent podcast, you had the uh, the captain of the Portland Timbers on, right? I, I forget Liam his Ridge name, Ridgewell. Yeah, but uh, he you posed him the same question, and um, 
he was kind of politically correct about how bad the field was. And, and it was, even on television, it was terrible. I can't even imagine what it looked like up close. I guarantee you, though, if you, if you got him and you had him at the table for a pint and he seems like a really nice down-to-earth guy, he'd tell you, I, he loved every minute of it. Back on grass, few sliding tackles. Yeah, it's a, it's, bounce, a diff- it's a different game. A bounce you can judge, different game. You're going for a tackle and half the ground comes up with you. Yeah. <laughs> wonderful. And now, are you guys, JJ and Andrew, are you guys MLS guys or not really? We do. Because you guys t- <laughs> you guys touch on it. One yeah. of you guys want to talk about it, the other one doesn't. But. No, I, I, I hate that that comes across that way because I'll tell you, I've watched every single um, postseason game. My bugbear is that the regular season's too long, guys. Get to the postseason quicker. But, yeah. you know, you, you still have to fill stadiums and create revenue and have a, a proper... But you say it's too long. Is it too long because of the number of games? Because the, the Premier League, I believe, plays, what, 30, 30, right. 38 games or But they're not like building up to a postseason. Like, 38, and there's only okay. four slots worth right. talking about. Right. That's, that's the difference. Okay, um, that's This true. is six from 11. I right. think the, the problem for us from a... Strictly, you can tell me if you disagree, but from a strictly <clears throat> podcasting perspective, the problem that we run into is when we talk about it, we'll get people saying, "Ugh, you know, there's, off." There's so but much we, stuff going on. But, but when we don't talk about it, you know, I mean, there are MLS fanatics in this country who, who worship the teams that they root for. He loves and, it. That's me. And so when we don't talk about it, we get, you know, you got we like the show, but there's not nearly enough MLS. So I don't know what. The middle ground is. Yeah. No, we, we, I like what you guys did in, in this past week. You put you had one podcast about EPL and then another one, separate one about the MLS playoffs. No, you liked that, did you? That's interesting. <laughs> well, you had to go have a baby, so you guys can't do enough shows. <laughs> Where are we at in the MLS playoffs? Because I actually don't. E- I don't even watch it. I know the Seattle Sounders. I know some Come on, teams. Mike. I actually really get hooked. It's fun. We're it's about. Fun. We're we're going to be entering the conference finals now, which is essentially the, the semifinal stage, the final yes. four. Yeah. Yes. And who yes. who do we have in it? Uh, we, on one side, we've got um, we've got Columbus and we've got Toronto, which is save the crew. I think that's actually really interesting. Um, that's an interesting matchup. And on the western side, we have you've got Seattle Houston. and Houston, uh, which Houston's a surprise to me. Yes, and, it is. But they're there, and hopefully somebody shows up to their games. Again, that's another thing in the if postseason. If not now, when? I, mean, I know. I think, this I, is I, I think that was... Poor attendance in Houston? There's been yeah. poor attendances across well, it, the, the playoffs, I would oh, say. I was say it, in fairness, Houston was just in the World Series, so maybe that has something to do with it. I would say that too as well. And also people, you know, they're, if they're going to go to a game, they're going to try and get to the World Series game. Their attention is going to be on that. Mm-hmm. And also this is an area you're recovering from a disaster. Sure. So that's part sure. of it. But there's a couple of other grounds like Chicago and even in New Jersey for the Red Bulls that's just been... Well, it's just being disappointed. But I, I'm a big Red Bulls fan, and um, for me personally, coming from Long Island, getting to Red Bull Arena is a disaster. Forget I could not it. agree more. It I mean, is. I used to live in awful. In, I was in Astoria for eight years, and I remember going to a game, a weekday night game. Oh, you can't make it. But getting home, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe what time. It, I mean, the game yeah. started at seven thirty, like a normal time for a sporting event to begin. I, I walked in my apartment at like two thirty in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it was I, I if, if you barely. First of all, the, the path station at, <clears throat> in Harrison outside, it's just not suited for large crowds. Uh, it's, it's just not good enough. Right. And then, so if you narrowly miss that, and then you narrowly – I mean, it was, it was a nightmare. So, so for me, the path station is really not an option because it, it would cost me a fortune to get there. So I drive there with six people in the car, and we leave the house for a 7.30 game at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. We miss the first half. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> it's, oh my God. it's, real, it's, it's literally one road in, one road out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that and bridge is like a bottleneck. That's it. If, if you can't get there, when I went for the U.S.-Costa Rica game, uh, which was awful, um, we had to get there. I think the game was at 8 o'clock. We were there at 2 o'clock with the uh, American Outlaws. 
And uh, the little I remember of the game, because of six hours of, uh, of pre-partying. <laughs> you, remember, you remembered an off, pal. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember the end. I'm, yeah, that was terrible. But um, it, that, that's part of the, the main reasons that I can't go to a Red Bull game, just this, this simple geographic location of the stadium. Right. While the stadium is great for soccer, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful stadium. stadium. Yeah. But for the location of the stadium is is terrible. And, and I've heard that there are very similar situations with where they've put some of the other MLS stadiums in the outskirts of the city. Are they in the best locations where it's easy for the fans to get to? Yeah. Look, I, I do think as well, and I don't want to go back, but there's a little bit of fatigue that's been, I suppose, brewed up or created from the domestic game, for the domestic game, from the fact that we didn't qualify for the World Cup. Like, if you hear there's a local soccer game and you've just heard that, that your team is in the World Cup in Russia, there is a, a buzz and a wave, and I think we've just lost a little bit. Because I don't seem to remember the same problem at last year at the playoff stage. I still no, think certainly not. there was full houses everywhere. And, and you know what? It's still... Toronto was a great atmosphere yesterday. Columbus was a good atmosphere the other night for the first leg against uh, NYCFC. Lots of empty seats, though, still, which was... I, I, yeah, I, I guess I don't you, know can't, you can't really make it up. You know, it's it's again. I I will put that down to to a, a couple of other factors, but it, it's at a, it's at a good stage for you to jump in now and not be bored. No, no, I can't do another. Uh, no more polls. No more new teams. Please, I'm dropping teams. <laughs> Question about the Premier League because you mentioned playoffs here. As an American fan, I hate that. Okay, Man City's up by X points that they can win the championship. Is there any chance ever? Because I'm. Like I said, completely new. Did there'll ever be a playoffs in the EPL? Maybe no. a four team? Never. It'll never happen. Now, why, and people out there are cool with that because, like, I'm like, all right, I made the final four time for a playoff game. Well, here's no? the thing. I think it all comes down someone gets to hurt early, and then maybe no. I think you would have to have 15 years, 20 years of procession titles, meaning a team gets out and just wins it early on and wins by. 13, 14 When did points. Leicester City win? Two years ago, right? Yeah. yeah. I remember going to the bar. I'm like, this is like historic. Because I would read like Darren Ravel was all about like, hey, I made it. You made a bet. Yeah. He actually like kind of pushed me onto it. And I wasn't fully into it. I'm like, Wait, but the playoffs didn't start yet. I was like, no, if they win today, there's still five games left. I'm like, then the season's over? Yeah. You see, it, for yeah, me, it was weird. It was, it but was I remember fun. classic title races that went to the last day. Okay. And that's why you're into it, right? And, and, and that's the tradition that it comes from. So playoffs is not okay. to an English, to sell to an English fan that the fourth place team could possibly win out. Yeah, I think it also comes down gotcha, to okay. a little bit of personal preference in terms of, and look, I, I love many sports, so I, I enjoy a lot of different kinds of, of different league setups, but I think some of it comes down to, do you want to be guaranteed of knowing that the best team won? And I think the way that the Premier League does it, really, there's, wow. there's no question about it. Yeah. Over the course of a 38-game season, no playoffs. Like The best team is going yeah, to win. There's no fluke. But like I love college basketball. March Madness is not designed for the best team to win. It's just no. not. Now that's what makes it fun. That's why it's called March Madness. But the best team usually does not win that. I gotta tell you something. You just and I'm gonna give you props, blew my mind because <laughs> I'm the biggest Kentucky guy. They were thirty eight and zero. They lost to yeah. Wisconsin. They yep. were the best team. Right. No one was near them. Right. And for the first time in my life, I'm like, holy shit, you're right. That Wow, oh, that's actually a really, really good yeah, point. As the a best Syracuse fan, went, I've seen us be one seeds and get knocked out in the Sweet 16. And then you but, see but Jerry McNamara blow up the garden. And <laughs> two years, but two years ago, we're a 10 seed, and that team goes to yeah. the Final Four. So, you know, it's, it's just that's each sport really kind of has its own unique No, setup. I like that. Wow, you put it really in no, perspective with that. Don't forget that you've got the option. You say you're you know, a Bayern Munich fan. You've got the option of the Champions League, which is very much a knockout. 
after the group phase, and that's that's really exciting. May I offer you something else? Yes. The championship is on ESPN, and now I'm not plugging the championship. No, on far ESPN. be it from you to do that. He's obsessed <laughs> they, with it. They are because I've been looking at them. They are on ESPN. They, they're showing games on the fr- the Friday game from the championship, I believe, and a, maybe one Saturday game. Well, I when think. you say ESPN, you mean watch ESPN.com. Yeah, but everybody's got the internet. Why yeah. are you talking like it's the 1940s? Well, you tell go. people it's on ESPN. They're going to turn on, on the, the wireless. Think, no, they, I, I've been looking on B in sports like the last like because they've always been on B in sports. And yeah. so but, look, okay, li- so literally, if you have a cable package, you have watch ESPN, and you just go onto it. I mean, why are you? you no, because you're saying <laughs> it's on ESPN. Our company, we're a small struggling college <laughs> industry. <laughs> you guys, uh, <laughs> yeah. you, you, mean, you guys mentioned Champions League. I love it. I think it is the coolest thing. It's the best soccer you can ever watch. I. Like I said, I'm gonna bring up John again. He's like, dude, you can watch Barcelona. Like, explain it to me, because like it's it's hard for a guy who's never watched. I've watched Major League Baseball, football. If you win your league, you're the champion. He's like, no, if you win the German league, you're gonna play in a town. I'm like, yeah, the Champions League is the coolest shit. Oh yeah, ever. It's, it's, it's I love it's it. A fantastic yearly way to settle old historical yeah, European scores. Tuesdays, on the football yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It is. It is unbelievable. Yes. But let me finish my point about the championship. Okay, okay. Because I won't let this <laughs> go. Gonna, no, so no, it's no. on ESPN. And okay. the championship is the league below the Premier League. So if you want to get promoted, that has a playoff system. And that is a sa- Friday, Saturday, Tuesday league. It's the toughest league in the world by a country mile in terms of the, sh- the schedule. And like the top six teams go into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's set up for the American fans. And if you win that, you're in the Premier League. Well, yeah. only the first, so the first two spots So the first two spots go automatic. Because the bottom next, get regular. And the next go into the, the spots, the slots below, the next four below go into the championship. It's insanity. Semi-finals, playoff it's crazy. finals. Great stuff. Huge. And it's the, it's the most expensive game in football. Yeah, the stakes are, are massive. Massive. Hundreds of millions of dollars at stake in that game. Someone wanted... See, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to know the team name. They opened up the season this year. Who was the first time they played this year in the Premier League? What team was that? Uh, Huddersfield Town. Was that who it was? It was the first game they played. I think they played Man City opening game. It was the first... Premier League game and the place it was might have been Brighton either as well. So it was one of them. it was it, the, the atmosphere. The right. stadium was off the and hook. And it so, was great. So those teams haven't been in the top flight. One of them hadn't been in the top flight since like the I suppose the fifties or the forties, and then the other one hadn't been in the top flight since uh, the nineteen eighties. So they got up through the championship playoffs. And uh, the thing about the, the promotion relegation thing with the uh, championship is that these teams that like Huddersfield Town is a small neighborhood team that are followed by generations of families that eventually, when they move up the ladder, it's an entire community. It's like saying um, this town on Long Island had a little uh, soccer team. And they was playing the yeah. Big Bad and Yankees. The, right, right. right, exactly. That's exactly what it is. And it was like, I'm going to bring it back. I was in Argentina, and uh, we watched Boca Juniors, but then they're like, mm-hmm. oh, let's go to some mm-hmm. local team. Yeah, and right. we went there, and I'm like, oh, obviously I didn't know who the team Whatever, I don't even know the team name. But the fans there, and the coolest shit was that the opposing team, you know they're not allowed to be there in Argentina? So if Boca Junior plays or whatever, the Main Street team plays, the opponents can't have fans there. They can't wear their fans' jerseys there because there was too much violence there. So we're in a stadium with only Boca Juniors. Like no one else was there. And it was... It was like the most intense. And I thought Yankee Stadium or Rupp Arena in Kentucky was intense. No. This was... I mean, we walked around. We wore an, I wore an Argentinian jersey because it was a qualifying match. And people were making a sign of the cross like, good luck tonight. I'm like, no, dude, I'm just wearing the shirt. <laughs> yeah, well, my parents went to a, a Boca Junior and um, uh, who's their arch rival? Where's John? River Plate. River Plate. They went, he went to a game in, 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 in uh, Argentina. And the fans, I'm sure, like, just like an EPL. I've never been to an EPL game. But do the fans have to enter in different locations? In River Plate, 
the fans cannot intermingle at all. Oh yeah. Well, uh, they, it, in England, it's the same. It's completely segregated. Right. The fan the fan sections are segregated. Are the entrances and everything is section? Everything yeah, is believe, segregated. Yeah, I think yeah. they have separate. There's a separate entrance, but they have a category system as well. So there's category A, B, and C games, and uh, if you're in a certain category, uh, a higher class category like Arsenal, Spurs, say Spurs are going to Arsenal, then Spurs fans will be pretty much escorted from the train station, police cordon to the ground. That's the way it works. It, that's so. a different mentality than it is going to like an MLB game mm-hmm. or an NHL game or any other type of game in the United States where all the fans unless you, unless, mingle. You go, unless you go to Philadelphia where it's... Yeah, I mean, they they're should, all animals. I'll tell you what though. <laughs> I w- they should need they to have their own courthouse. In they the really need to do that. In, I would love though <laughs> if American sports adopted the away section. Like they oh, have it so in, do I, in I, European. So, so I think that... That yeah, is actually a really good idea. I think that would be... MLS, would, it, kind, MLS kind of has. Yeah, they do. They, and I, it's, I, good. Think, it's good. It's good. It's good. I agree. The knock that you hear... Like, you don't hear it in college sports, but in professional sports in this country, mm-hmm. atmosphere is a thing that people sometimes say, eh, the crowd... That would enhance the atmosphere in every stadium. Because I love you'd have, that. Because you'd yeah. have an away section that would be riling up the home fans, mm-hmm. and it would just... Be, I think right. it would be fantastic. But any section in American sport that's just simply one section of fans, we know about it. Like in Cleveland with the Browns... They are the, the dog, 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 dog pound. pound. Yeah. It's that kind of mentality. Or well, the bleacher creatures over yes, there. Yes, of course. Of right, course, exactly. Yeah. So if you can put like 10, 15,000 away fans together. And, It'd be oh, great. Oh, it's It'd brilliant. Be great. Yeah. Okay, a few things before we get going. Champions League, I know it's so early because I went to the 538 predictions. Champions <laughs> League, best team. Oh, man. I mean, God, my gut instinct would normally be to say Real Madrid, but mm. they haven't. You can't say they've looked like it over their past couple games. They're fifth in the odds. I checked the odds right when we got here. Could it, man? Could it still be Barcelona? Yeah, Barcelona was one. Is that you surprising? Think, not really, because PSG was actually two. Well, yeah, in I was going to say PSG. Was and there's a lot of hate with PSG. People, a lot oh, of people you hate. Have, you don't have to tell me that. I actually I just heard your last podcast. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Well, why do people hating? Is it because they're buying players? People, I don't think people like the way the, the construction of the team. Not only feels it, it is. It's very artificial in the way it's been built. I mean, they've just gone out and they've poured incredible amounts of money to pluck players like I'm Neymar. Pissing, I'm pissing off leagues, like entire leagues. Yeah, right, off. exactly. But this uh, is a foreign entity. This is a country which has decided to own a football team, which has <coughs> entered itself into a, another country's league with um, endless resources. So that's going to drive everybody. Crazy. But I think everybody is just. Nobody is willing to give them credit at this point. I, I don't know if it's because they play in Ligue 1 in France, which isn't necessarily held in the highest regard. But I don't know. Me personally, I've, I've come around. Like, I don't have to love them, but I can at least acknowledge that they are legitimately good. Like They are here. They're, they're competing oh, they're gonna be to contenders. win this title. Like, I there's would no totally question say they're going to be contenders. Barcelona. <clears throat> Manchester City, PSG. And I, I, I think City are... I actually think City are a little bit ahead of PSG. I also th- I think people are making a mistake to if they rule out Real Madrid just yet. Right. I know they haven't looked themselves in the Champions League and even more so in La Liga where they've really underachieved to a kind of an alarming level. Right, but Ronaldo has like I think one goal in six matches. Yeah. Yeah, but close your eyes and ask yourself right now, forget everything else. Even after the results that's happened, who who do you think is more likely to win the Champions League right now? Is it Real Madrid or Tottenham? It's still Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, just um, by name. Yeah. Just and, by name recognition. And we've seen teams scrape out of, of the group stages and then go on and win the tournament. So I'm not... Um, I might have to change that now. I'll throw Real Madrid into the mix. <laughs> I have a mix of four there, I think. PSG, yeah. Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Manchester City. Okay, right now there's five, I guess, top players. Uh, Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, Suarez, Bell. 
in four years, who are the next? Who's the next big five? Mbappe, that guy's Asensio. Okay. Yep. And give me the team they play for too. For Asensio, Real Madrid. Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody can jump into Mbappe. Mm-hmm. That's my that that's my two right now. Because of his age, would you put Gabriel Jesus in a category like that? I, 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 he's from Manchester City. He just didn't he score. He did. Yeah, he did yeah. on a goal that was probably offside. Yeah. But, <laughs> but nevertheless, I, I think I think I go Sane over Jesus right now, and I'll go okay. Kev, Kevin De Bruyne over both of them. Is he? How? But De Bruyne is what 20, 24, 24? I mean, is that too old for us to? Because Neymar is that age. I mean, uh, so for I don't think that's too old. Okay. Well, you've decided. No, yeah. because in four years' time, the next World Cup, he's only going to be at his peak, like 28. Who's that? Dybala. Um, is he Argentinian? Yes, of course yes. he is. He's going to name every player. <laughs> he, <laughs> no, he, but it's he, not he, a bad shout. No, man. it's a good shout. He's the Juventus number 10. Okay. So, um, or he plays in the number 10 position. Um, yeah. But I would think he needs to win a Champions League before... Ezra? <laughs> Um, <laughs> After his most recent incident, I don't think he'll be playing football anytime soon. Uh, yeah, no, I yeah. don't think. I think. I think. I think Ever's over the hill as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> After his swinging kick, his kung fu kick, his Bruce Lee impression. Um, no, Dybala is definitely in there as well. And I say he has to win the Champions League. He's been in the final already, so maybe I'm being a bit harsh there. Um, Where do you think Pulisic lands in that? Uh, I, I think. He's, I think he's right in there, but the well, fo- the fo- I don't know. Just yet. that good? Uh, well, well he, in five years, I mean, he's he'll excellent. He's excellent. He's twenty-four. Great, yeah. But but I, we're talking about Messi and and Ronaldo and levels. Neymar. Like, we're talking about levels. A, but again, I'm not. I'm not talking about what he'll do for the U.S. I'm talking about what, where he'll be at club level. And we're already seeing that. I mean, I, I honestly don't know with the way Dortmund are going right now. Um, there's a good chance he won't be there for his best years. I would think. Well, but Bayern has already put short interest in uh, in taking him from I, I, Yeah, the article was him and Alexis Sanchez. Yeah. Those are the two guys. I, I could see a move to Spain for him before okay. before he goes to Bayern. For Pulisic? Yep. All right. We're going to go around the room. Everyone has to answer a few questions. Best soccer book ever. And uh, don't tell me Fever Pitch. That no, book no, no, was, I will not. was crappy. <laughs> don't ask me. I don't read. No, you have to. Just give me a book. <laughs> uh, mine would be, I, be, I think it's called, it's probably a bad sign that I don't remember the name. But I think it's called More Than a Game. And I read it right before the 2010 World Cup in South Africa. And it's, uh, it's all about um, apartheid South Africa and the prisoners, the political prisoners that were being held in Robben Island. And basically one of the ways they kept their sanity was they created uh, a soccer league among the inmates on this prison. And it was the detail with which they kept statistics, standings, uh, you know, trades between te- it, it was like any, honestly, it was like any other league in the world. And the stories about this are, and, you know, how they would try to finagle getting more playing time with the guards at the prison. It was absolutely fascinating. That would definitely be my recommendation. I think it's more than a game. Okay. That's what it's called. Uh, mine's an autobiography, and I, I hate football autobiographies. Okay. But this is so beyond anything I've ever read. A full time, The Secret Life of Tony Cascarino. What makes it so good? Um, it's, it's the real story of a professional footballer, of a journeyman, of a guy who's playing right at the top, but he needs to keep going and keep going and keep going, make sure those paychecks come in. His life changes. He goes through a divorce. He's getting into his early 30s, which is a time when you get the snip, mm-hmm. you get done, forget about what people don't want to talk about. He's changing his <clears throat> birth certificate to get contracts he's whitening his teeth he's dyeing his hair wow. and yet he's still he goes to the French League and he becomes the top scorer in the French League and he just keeps this going but all the while he's got the secret life of of 
just waking up every morning aching, trying to make things happen, trying to keep this this hustle, facade, the facade, this facade going, so he can keep the checks coming in, just unbelievable. And um, the more, like, I don't want to read a book about Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter's unbelievable career, mm-hmm. but I know it. I want to read a book about the guy who had to struggle, um, full time. Uh, written by Paul Kimmage, absolutely brilliant. And it's like two hundred and fifty pages. List, Mike. Danny, can have a book, please. Any book. Um, <laughs> The ABCs of soccer <laughs> when I was like four years old. You know, I love uh, eight World Cups. It's about um, George Vesey, famous reporter for the New York Times. He wrote a book about just being a soccer fan in the 60s when it wasn't huge in New York. Yeah. And he was a huge soccer guy and just traveled to all the World Cups. And it was about him writing about it. All right. You guys do your podcast. I want one dream interview, one guy you want to interview each, and the coolest guy you guys ever had on or – met that you guys were in awe of like holy shit i'm sitting here or i just met blank uh well the my favorite interview that i think we had i loved when uh deandre yedlin was on after the last world cup he was so cool uh, he was literally he, he off the like plan from brazil yeah in was, his hotel room and how'd you guys like awesome how'd you guy. guys snag that uh, through ESPN, of you know, course. very. Important. They work for ESPN. Very important <laughs> connection. But we were, we were the best interview because we asked him yeah. fun questions, and he, he was easy. Well, I think he was going on with a bunch of different shows, but the the advantage for us was for whatever reason the schedule shook out there. We had him first, so I think he was most fresh and hadn't been asked the same question a thousand times yet. So he was great. Um, what was the other part of that guy? One dream interview. A dream like if you interview. want right now to sit down and like for me it's not Derek Jeter because he wouldn't give me shit he wouldn't be a good interview no. for me who's your guy right now you want to sit down put a pint in front of and who you want to interview I would love wow. okay well as a Spurs fan I feel kind of bad saying this but I would love to I mean in my lifetime Sir Alex Ferguson is kind of the gold hmm. standard of of managers he's like the holy the grail sport. right uh, and then the other one which who maybe could be doable but I wouldn't mind I would love to talk with Jurgen Klinsmann and just hear That's his cool. take on everything, you know, that happened after he was fired. What led? I would love to just, like you said, if he had a pint and some truth serum, yeah. I would love <laughs> to pick his brain on everything that's gone down. That's a good one. Wow, um, I've been very lucky with the interviews I've got to do. I would say, I mean, the biggest interview I've done, or or, or the best one, certainly not the best interview I've done because he charmed the shit out of me okay okay oh my god I had a I had a list of questions ready to go gone in the end it was just me telling almost 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 licking his face telling (laughs) telling how much I loved him and uh, just such a warm character who I I don't know for many reasons I wanted to be the pro but I wasn't a pro and Andrew's listening to it listen to it and our listeners have it was more of a fawn rather than an interview you fanboyed out Pele I, inter- I got to interview. Holy oh, shit, really? really? Sit, yeah. sit on Dude, the... Dude, that's legit the Mount Rushmore of interviews. Yeah, I was there with him. Uh, now, of course, with these all these interviews, someone's saying, hey, because he's plugging this or that. Of course, of course. And there's always some PR person mm-hmm. who stands around in a suit looking important, yes, telling you you got yeah. five minutes left. Like, so <laughs> that always gets on your nerves, so that yeah. rushes you a little bit. But Pele... Just fantastic. I was there with the great man. And you know, greatness recognizes greatness. He of course, could, of course. He, he, could, he, he knew. <laughs> he knew he was in the room with you. He actually asked me. This is, this is how charming it was to take me off all my questions. Afterwards, he said, no. We finished talking. He goes, no, we talk about the real football. Because he knew the minute the tape was on, he wasn't going to give me shit. <laughs> nothing controversial. <laughs> yeah, nothing about oh, Neymar. Nothing about his views so on Neymar. so aren't they? And he goes like this. No, You're we'll about talk. to say all these off the record. Yeah, now. go. Just, this is great well, stuff. And now he goes, no, now we talk about the real football. <laughs> and the first question he asked me is, uh, did you play and where did you play? 
and I told him about ab- about my knees, and he goes, "Anything else? You know, keep I bad mm-hmm. injured my knees. He goes, Anything else is fine. Knees, you're done." And I'm like, "Oh, Pele I, has just retired." I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give you one uh, interview. You guys are great interviewers. You bring him to a bar, and before the interview, you give him like one or two beers, okay? Right. And then you have the owner buy them a shot. So now you start the interview. They're two and a half in. During the show, they have two more. I had Eric Lawson on. He's like a famous author. And he came here. He was very, like, very tight. Like, you know, he has four or five beers. I'm like, so tell me about your next book. I didn't tell anyone. I'm going to give you some hint. And he started dropping hints about it. Afterwards, he's all banged up. Tell me his next book all off the record. <laughs> oh, fantastic. You get them a few drinks, you're good to go. Oh, definitely. I, d- I, I do think more podcasts should be done with alcohol. As for the person I would like to interview, yeah. um, I'm, I'm pretty boring and, uh, and very kind of English about it, even though I'm Irish. <laughs> I would love to sit down and talk to... Um, to Gary Lineker just because a guy that was such a top pro and then became I mean it's rare that a professional footballer who becomes an analyst who becomes a presenter is has now had a longer and better career in broadcasting than he arguably had in playing football yet he's a World Cup Golden Boot winner it's just incredible he works for the BBC and I think he would be great Um, and, and also Roy Keane I would love to have Roy Keane on Roy Keane would be your hero Roy Keane Roy Keane is my boyhood hero and um, I would love to have him on and just in, in an informal almost informal setting with like a, a pot of tea and, and just sit there and talk because I think he would be if we could get him off guard because good luck with that yeah he's pretty much he's like a Rothweiler you know he's always on the edge but those are two for me <clears throat> so just to bring this like full circle with the US debacle uh, the American Outlaws asked me to ask, see if what your opinion was of the next US soccer president I know today um, Kyle Martino, Kyle Martino came out, and they're looking at um, Galati running again. Uh, I don't think that, do I think? don't think he's going to run again. Uh, that's not based on any inside information. I'm just, I would just honestly be surprised if he did. Um, what do you think the next route is, or who a potential president would be? I wouldn't mind going. And Galati was the sense that I get about him is that he's he was a businessman. Uh, and he did well in that. I, I think he brought in, you know, all kinds of very high-profile endorsement deals and and huge he grew the amount, game. Huge that, that amount, he, de- yes. he definitely grew the game. Huge amounts of money to U.S. soccer, uh, and this isn't confirmed yet, but it looks like he's probably going to have brought a World Cup back to North America, with U.S. being the primary World Cup twenty twenty six location for yep. that. Um, but so the business side of U.S. soccer seems to be in a in a pretty good place right now but the rest of it is not the youth set up in this country uh the talent development uh, i would like to see somebody who maybe is a little more finely attuned with that aspect of it and so with that being the case i would i mean right now it seems weird to think because we see kyle martino on television every week we don't view him in that light but a former player uh i'd have no problem seeing somebody like that i know eric winalda has thrown his hat in the ring as well um, did I see Paul Caligiri's name also? Mm, I never heard Maybe that one. Not. But I don't know. I thought I did see you that. You could have. Um, but, you know, again, I don't, I don't know these guys' backgrounds. And in, I heard in and out, the Donovan name thrown around. I, I don't know if there's any truth to that or not. Yeah. Or if he'd know. even been interested. I know he's kind of gone that's, in his that's, sabbatical. That's, that's the aspect of it right now, though, that needs work is the whole talent development portion. Yeah. I, if you look at it, it's a collection of the current guys who are going. They're seven in the field now with Martino. And they're just, I mean, they're lawyers and they're, um, they're guys who have an interest in soccer and they're organizers, but they're, 
I not players. Think, well, they're not going to be football people. You're never going to get that. Sports administration the world over is run by corporate suits. It's by people who can bring in money for the very reason that they The way can. it should be. True. For the ver- <laughs> but, but for the very reason that they can bring in money. And if, right. if you look at where Galati came up, Galati came up in the in the rise of CONCACAF, in the rise of U.S. soccer, where we they found a way to monetize this great sport and spread it across the land. He, there is nobody better... Uh, educated or better suited to continue growing the game mo- uh, monetarily in terms of what he knows about the correct academy system or anything like that I don't believe he knows anything for the rest of them I haven't heard one coherent plan one guy who can say this is the main problem why we didn't qualify this is the main problem within US youth soccer and the soccer uh, fraternity or the the soccer community in general and this is how we fix it not one thing it's so broad and it's so big um, Kyle today and we love Kyle we have Kyle regularly on our podcast but um, Kyle's, Kyle's come on and he said the first thing he said was the most political thing in the world if it came out in the election last year you'd be like I'm not voting for that guy he's such a politician he said something like transparency accountability I, I don't want to hear this, these those are the key words those are the again they're key words there's no plan there he, right. did, he did it in a tweet storm and he, he spoke to um, Stein of, of the New York Times but nobody has wowed me. Nobody has shown me a vision. No one has shown me just a blueprint, nuts and bolts blueprints. So I actually think Galati will run again and he'll win in the landslide. Wow. That is a hot take. Really? We do need like Bob Lee to host some sort of like debate. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? I, can't, yeah. I could easily see it. Yeah, and we'll vote for the guy with the longest tie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, finish up with this. Favorite venue to watch a, uh, any kind of soccer match? And I know it's so early, but just give a prediction. Maybe you'll sound smart in six or eight months. World Cup winner, favorite place to watch a soccer match? Well, for the my favorite place that I've seen a soccer match. Sure. Actually, there's a couple now. I was Instinctively, I was going to say White Hart Lane because I'm a Tottenham fan. And for a Tottenham fan to have been able to have gotten to the old White Hart Lane before it's now been torn down, uh, it was almost like a religious experience. And it was, a, it was the Tim Sherwood year, like not exactly a banner <laughs> year for Tottenham football. Um, but that walking in there and just seeing it, it was, it was truly amazing. Uh, so I'll, I guess I'll give a cop-out answer and say that that is one part of it. But the other part, uh, I did go to the Bernabeu to see Real Madrid Atletico Madrid wow. in 2000. Eight, uh, and again, you, one religious experience walking in there and seeing that place was uh, it was truly it's amazing. like St. Peter's. Yeah. And my, I guess my early World Cup prediction uh, for me, uh, it, it's it's Brazil, Germany, France. It's those three, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to decide among them. I don't know. M- right now, I'm I might be leaning a little bit towards France, but I don't. I don't feel super. I think they have right now the greatest collection of talent mm-hmm. that maybe a French side has ever had, which is saying something because they had incredible teams in the late 90s when they won the World Cup and then the European Championship. Um, but do they have the experience when it comes down to them facing a Germany or Brazil? I don't know. Do they have the manager know. who's going to pick the right team as well with well, all they that just selection extended of players? It, right? They just extended to show. I know. It got, it extended a guy who still doesn't know his best team after all these years. So, Okay, favorite place? Favorite, uh, uh, favorite place? I'm going to be... Um, I'm not going to be a homer. I'm not going to say Anfield. I've been to Anfield. It's great. I would say Ellen Road, Leeds, or Loftus Road for QPR. Wow. Cheap seats. You can get right down beside the grass. Intimate. You can smell Very the grass. Intimate. And when they hit the ball on the sideline, you can hear that thwack. Or when they ping it, you can hear the valve of the football. That is what you want. You can get a pie at halftime. You can get a beer. Working class blue collar. Wonderful atmosphere. You sold that. Okay. World 100%. Cup. 100%. <laughs> um, World Cup, I'm going to go with Spain. Spain are, Spain are due a comeback. Mm. I believe uh, 
I like what I like what I'm seeing from them. Look, jeez, it's it's Spain. Okay, I was going I was going to cop out and just uh, Belgium. <laughs> no, Spain, one hundred percent. Danny, Spain. go. Uh, well, I don't have the uh, the world travel experiences these guys, so I'm just going to go with the, the simple one for me. When I was uh, a junior in high school in 1994, when I watched a soccer match at uh, at Giant Stadium for the World Cup, packed so, World uh, Cup atmosphere, packed 85,000 at the time. It was the most amount of people that ever watched a game back in at uh, Giant Stadium. Uh, the greatest experience I've ever had. Uh, three games there. I watched uh, the semifinal. I think it was Germany. No, I watched Italy and uh, who was the semifinal? Bulgaria. Yeah. Incredible match. It was a, a great match. Baggio, two goals. Yeah. And they had that penalty, right, at that, at that point? I, I, the memories are fuzzy, but uh, I remember a penalty either in, in Giants Stadium. That was the, the best soccer match I've ever been to. Um, obviously, I'm a New York guy, so I, I, my locations for games are just Red Bull Arena and, and Giants Stadium. Well, you get rid of those kids. But, Maybe you come up with travel me a little well, bit. Well, yeah. You know, <laughs> fucking get kids. Rid yeah. Of them. yeah, those kids are killing our game. At some point, my, my goal is to, to bring the kids to, uh, EP, to, uh, yeah. to England to, to have them watch an EPL game. Any EPL game, I'll take them to whatever I can get to. Get those championship, mate. All right, plug, plug your Twitters and plug your, your podcast is phenomenal. Thank it's top you. notch. Just plug the podcast and your Twitter accounts and then we'll uh, wrap it up. The podcast is called Caught Offside. Uh, it's it's pretty interactive. We're at, you're very interactive on our Twitter account, which is aggressive at, is the at word. CO Soccer Pod. We typically <laughs> record either Tuesdays or Wednesdays, so I guess uh, look out for it there on uh, iTunes or the ESPN app or on our Twitter account and, at yeah. a Gundling for for tweets to Andrew. I'm very afraid. Plague of, of him with tweets. With he, he he checks yeah. in every now and again. Andrew checks in on Twitter like a drunk guy on like <laughs> a Sunday morning checks his voicemail and his text. What the hell what did I, just I do? do? Who was oh, no. that? Why did I call Stacy? I don't really love her. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh my god! I don't want to get back with her. Oh, no, <laughs> mom. <laughs> but uh, so he checks in 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 that manner. But um, uh, at JJ Devaney D E V A N E Y, and I will um, respond to your. But my favorite is when you, he uses the at CO Soccer Pod. <laughs> Our verified. Which is supposed to mainly be for, you know, we're commenting on games. We send out the podcast, things like that. But then he starts spewing opinions. And people don't necessarily know if it's him or it's me. And I, things that I wholeheartedly disagree oh, with. Oh, Altador got it yesterday. Oh, I, oh, oh my not, God. You have I was hoping account. we touched on a topic, but Go. maybe uh, over another beer later on. Okay, if you want. <laughs> Danny, plug yours so everybody can follow you, even though you're blocked and you don't. Yeah, I don't have one. At. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have one. Yeah, guys, thank you so much. This was a blast. Oh, like, I no, really it's, it was a pleasure thank coming on. And I'm so are, happy you guys came in. Oh, no, I'm, I'm so glad we did this. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that Andrew, you know, had to be so awkward about finding a time eventually. <laughs> that kids thing, him and Danny, those, you know what? We'll have our own show without the kids. Have a real life. You know, that's what we're going to do. Guys, we call it Men Without Kids. That, and happiness. So yeah. we'll call it hashtag happy, the happiness podcast. That's what we we'll do. <laughs> and we could do the soccer dads. Oh, oh God. God. <laughs> Driving the minivan. Saturday, down Sunday, the soccer games on the highway. Field, in the yeah, rain. Yeah, yeah. Saturday, Sunday. Good stuff. Guys, see you later. Thank you.